Well, good morning, Faith family. Uh, how many of you glad you came here this morning? Amen? Amen. It is so good to see you here this morning. Glad that you're here. I'm so glad to, to be able to spend this morning with you and just uh, worship with you. I tell you, it's just amazing to come together as a faith family and to see God moving in such incredible ways. You know, one of the things I was thinking about as we were just uh, spending some time in worship this morning was, was the reality that, you know, when we gather in this place here this morning, we have a remarkable opportunity to just come and lift up our voices and song and adoration to a holy and righteous God. But we also, throughout the week and throughout the months and years, we, we just have this amazing opportunity to see God move in such incredible ways. I think in the first song, we were actually singing about the reality that, God, we, we like to see you move. And I, and I tell you, I love seeing God move in the lives of, of so many different people, the, the life change that we see. One of the ways that we see God move is through our local uh, missions. Uh, one of the uh, things that we see here in our community is how God uses us as a church to go out into a community and to, to make a difference uh, in the lives of, of people that may not come here on Sunday morning. Uh, I love the, the, the fact that we are uh, each week down at a, uh, a place in, in the south part of town doing what we call our Bubs ministry where we're impacting uh, the children's lives with the gospel and doing some incredible things there. I love the fact that, that once a month we have an opportunity for people to come in and for us to provide uh, food for them uh, if, if need be in their life. And we do that through what we call our bumper bag ministry. If you're not familiar with our bumper bag ministry, I, I just want to say this this morning because I think it's so, so important that you understand that we have an opportunity each month to participate in blessing families in our community, and, and some of which are part of our faith family, by just taking a grocery bag and filling it with groceries and bringing it in uh, once a month. Uh, we do what we call our bumper bag ministry where you leave the bag of food at your bumper when you, when you come in and we have a team that collects that food. And on Sunday afternoon, they bless families with that food. And so next week, we have an opportunity to uh, bring our bag of groceries in. And I just want to encourage you. Uh, we're in a, a huge need right now. Uh, throughout the summer, we, our supplies have sort of been uh, depleted. And so we're in a huge need. I want to encourage you this week, and you should see uh, through our social media and other avenues of communication uh, we'll, be, we'll be this week just promoting this, but, but I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to bring a bag of groceries in next week, and let's bless a family uh, with your groceries uh, next week. God is moving in huge ways in our community. He's using us to impact lives, and I tell you, I just, I couldn't be more pleased by the opportunity I get to be a part of God's great kingdom uh, work in our community. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. I tell you, it's such a blessing to know that we're making a difference in people's lives. This morning, we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the message. Today is the last message of this series. We've been going in this series for eight weeks now uh, called Greater Than, and so today is the last day of, that, of this series. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive into the Word here this morning and continue to worship through the reading and preaching of His Word. Pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to see you work in, in people's lives every day. God, how lives are transformed by your presence and your power and your spirit. 
God, how lives are transformed and by your sovereignty. God, just knowing that you are working among us is so encouraging. And to have the, the privilege, the honor to see that is truly encouraging to us. Father, as we think about our role in this place as a faith family, and Lord, the role that we have to carry the gospel message into a community, that those who may hear would come to know you. Lord, what an incredible privilege that is. Father, today we gather in this place. We gather here to, to worship you in spirit and truth. We gather here to read your word, to pray, to even worship, as Spence was uh, saying earlier in the service, God, to even worship through our giving financially to this church. Lord, we are here gathered together to worship you as a faith family. Father, I pray that today as we dive into your word that you would speak deeply into our hearts. That God, we would be able to set aside every distraction that may keep us from hearing from you. God, we love you. We acknowledge that, Lord, oftentimes we fall short, but we love you and we praise you. We hope to bring glory to your name in everything that we say or do. Lord, be with us now as we jump into your word. God, may you speak into our hearts and may we be ever challenged to live for you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're finishing up this series called Greater Than, and our hope is, is that through this series, we have learned this one truth that Jesus is greater than all that we may ever face in this world, that Jesus is greater than our circumstances, that Jesus is greater than our sin, that Jesus is greater than anything we may go through as followers of Christ Jesus, and that our prayer is, is that we would come to a, a greater understanding of the sufficiency of Christ Jesus in our life. That's our prayer. And this morning, we're continuing in this series as we look at an issue that is very important, I think, for all of us to understand, and that is the issue of worship. Now, the title of the message is called, Worship is Greater Than Our Insecurities and Idolatry. Typically, when we think of something that that is opposite of worship, we may think of things like idolatry, but oftentimes we don't recognize that through our insecurities, and we can think of a lot of other things like our pride, our arrogance, a lot of other things distract us from true worship. But this morning we want to look at worship. We want to understand worship. And that's where we're going to uh, go this morning. I was recently reading a book by a guy named Tim Stevens. It was called Fairness is Overrated. And it was a book that's really designed to talk about leadership principles. It's a book that is written to encourage leaders to, to understand some, some good leadership principles. And one of the things that it was, he was talking about in his first chapter, I haven't gotten too deep into the book yet, but, but in the first chapter, he started talking about the need for leaders to develop margins in their life. Now, what he's referring to when he talks about margins is those those blank white spaces on a document that we may read. Whenever we write a, page, uh, a paper or we read a book, there's always a margin that is around the text. And that margin is intentional blank spaces that is left there. And so in this chapter, this first chapter of this book that he is, 
he is explaining that there is a huge need for us as leaders, and I would argue as just people, to develop margins in our life. Otherwise, our life is filled with so much stuff that we may not have the time that we need to address the things that are important in our life. I love what he said here in the book. He says, everything in our culture is telling us to ignore our margins. Spend more money than you make and you will have no financial margin. Fill your schedule from early morning until late night and you will have no time margin. This statement really got me thinking about how it relates to this topic that we're going to be looking at this morning called worship because the reality is that we are really good at filling up our days and our weeks and our years, filling up our time with, with everything that comes our way and not setting aside the time that we need to spend with God. This morning we're talking about worship and the reality that worship is greater than, than all of these things. I want us to turn, if you will, with me to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. That'll be the, the text that we're going to be looking at here today. But the, the, earth, the issue that we're looking at is worship and trying to understand truly what worship really is and, and why it's important for us to understand worship. Most of us here today as believers in Jesus Christ, we, we probably feel as though we understand worship pretty good, and for most of us, we probably do. We live in the Bible Belt, and we certainly know how to worship, I think. I think it's one of those things where, you know, growing up in this area, this, this culture, we've probably grown up in a church unlike some parts of our country, and at least we have some idea of what worship is. We, we know how to worship. We know that we are called to worship in spirit and truth. That's something that we've probably heard our pastors say and our Sunday school teachers say growing up in church. We know that we come in here on Sunday morning and we, we have a, a worship team that leads us in a time of worship where we lift up our voices in song and praise and adoration to a holy and righteous God. And, and no doubt that is a way that we worship. As Spence was saying in his prayer earlier, we worship even in our financial gifts that we offer. We worship in our giving so that we can help further the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so we worship in a lot of ways. We worship through our applause. We worship through our prayers. We worship in so many different ways. And most of us here today, we understand at least some idea of what worship is, and we also know how to worship. But what we may not recognize in our life is the reality that oftentimes our worship is directed at something other than Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning because I believe that we live in a day and a time where so many believers don't recognize the idolatry in their life. Many times believers don't recognize when they have turned their attention and their their attitude of worship towards something other than a holy God. And that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. Worship needs to be defined, and, and I'll tell you, we could spend probably an hour defining worship. Worship is a very complex thing. It's a very, it's a very interesting thing, and we could spend a lot of time trying to hash out or wordsmith a, 
a, a definition of worship I want to offer to you this morning, really a simplistic understanding of worship as we may grab hold of it and, and use this definition as we walk through this message. But this morning, what we would like to do is sort of define worship like this. Worship could be defined as a true expression of reverence and adoration for Christ. Now, that's obviously not how a Muslim would define worship because Christ wouldn't come into the picture. But as believers in Christ Jesus, that's how we could define worship, reverence and adoration toward Jesus Christ, this expression that flows from the heart. But the truth of the matter is this, that anything that we revere or adore above Christ or in place of Christ, then that would be for us idolatry. Idols in our life can be as simple as impotent carvings of wood or stone, or they could be our own insecurities. I was speaking with Spence earlier this morning, and I was just sharing with him how sometimes the thing that distracts me most is my own insecurities. Oftentimes when my days are busy, and that's why I think that chapter on margins is so important for us. If you, if you have a life that just seems to be sort of too busy, maybe that would be a good book for you to read, but but as I think about my life, oftentimes the busyness leads me to believing that I'm not as prepared as I need to be at teaching or preaching or whatever it is that I'm doing in my life. And that's when the insecurities in my life can spring up. If I'm not careful, the, the, the insecurity in my own life can overtake my desire to worship God. There have been days when I have walked into church even on Sunday morning and just been so distracted and then find myself so thankful for this time where Spence and the team would come and lead us in worship so that it would bring my heart back to the place that I need to be as I prepare to preach a message. And so we have all these things in our life that if we're not careful will distract us, that will lead us away from true worship. And so we want to talk about that this morning. Looking at Colossians chapter 3, I want to use verses 1 and 2 as a springboard into our text today. And this is what he says here at the first part of chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. He says this. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of this earth. I love that. I love that. Because as believers in Christ Jesus, Paul, as he is, as he is writing to the church, as he is writing with, with people just like you and me, who may struggle to understand how it is that we should live our life, especially as it relates to an attitude of worship toward God, he, he says here at the first part of chapter 3, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ Jesus, in other words, what he's saying, if you are here today, if you are a believer, if you are a follower, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you've been raised with Christ, then he says, set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things of this earth. In other words, he would say this to the believer. He would say, ensure that as you consider the things in your life, that your mind is set on the things that are of God and not on worldly things. Now we get to verse 15. And this is where Paul begins to, in, in this letter, he begins to help us understand 
a little something about worship. Look at this with me, if you will, starting with verse 15. Paul says, if you've been saved, then set your things on the set your minds on the things of God. And then we get to verse 15, he says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I love this. In word or deed. In everything that you say and everything that you do. That's what he's saying here. That's what the Word of God is teaching us here. In everything that we say or everything that we do, in everything, he says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's worship. You see, we, we live under this illusion, especially in the South, that if we get up in the morning and we come to church, we can check that off as our time spent with God in worship. When worship flows from something much deeper than that. You see, coming to church on Sunday morning is religion. It can be religion. Coming to church on Sunday morning is something I believe is hugely important for a faith family. But coming to church is not our worship. Because what we're going to see as we dive into the text here this morning is that worship is an overflow. Worship is something that comes from within and comes out. It's manifested in the things that we say and we do, but worship is something that begins with the heart, the redeemed heart, the transformed life, the life that is, that is filled with the Spirit of God. And so here Paul, he he, he lets us know in chapter 3 that our minds should be set on the things above and not on the things of the earth. And then here in this text, he begins to teach us something about worship. And then he sort of wraps up this passage with, in whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus, that you would glorify him. There's two very important things I want to point out about this text here this morning. I want to go ahead and give both of them to you. And then we're going to dive into it here this morning. The first thing that I was writing down here, and I think this is very important in what the text is revealing to us in a, in a, in a really creative way this morning, is this. Is that worship is more about internal attitude and response than it is about external actions. Worship is more about internal attitude and response than it is about external actions. In other words, you can come in here on Sunday morning... And you can sing every song, every lyric, every word that's on these screens. You can sing with the band and still not be in a spirit of worship if it's not coming from the heart. You can come in here and you can clap your hands when we give praise to Jesus and it still not be worship if it's not coming from the heart. You can give out of compulsion financially. You can give out of dutiful obedience, and it still not be worship if it's not coming from the heart. 
You see, we come into a place like this, which we call our worship center, but just because we're sitting in this room doesn't mean that we are worshipers of God because it begins from the heart. And so this morning, one of the truths we want to look at is this reality that worship is more about internal attitude and response than it is about our external actions that we may take, those things that we do that may or may not be worship. The second thing that I want to really dive into here this morning is this, is that worship requires a mind centered on Christ and one that is renewed by truth. Worship requires a mind that is centered on Christ and one that is renewed by truth. Jesus said it like this. Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, he says this. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father, listen to this now, in spirit and in truth. So Jesus says there, there will be a time when people worship. And he says, in fact, it is that time when people will worship the Father, when they will worship God in spirit and in truth. Now look at what he says here. We'll worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship. I love that. You see, we are created to worship. We are created to bring glory to God. And the Word of God tells us here this morning that the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. It says, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so these two truths that we're going to look at here this morning, that we see really flowing from the text that we're examining today, the passage of Scripture that we're looking at, they have this ability to really teach us something about worship. So let's look at the first one. Worship is more, than, uh, more about internal attitude and response than it is about external actions. There's so much to say about this truth, but let me say this. In verse 15 of our text, read with me if you will. The text begins by saying this, and let the peace of Christ, look at this, rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. There are so many of us that are here today, including myself, that have been in a place in our life where everything else, you know all of these things that we've been looking at throughout these series, anxiety, fear, you know, uh, arrogance, all these issues that exist in our life, bitterness, anger, all of these things. So often, if we're not careful, these issues that we've been examining all through this series will be what's really hidden in our hearts. It'll be what has taken our hearts captive, if you will, and what it produces is something other than a worshiper of God. And so here in this passage, in verse 15, what we see is it says, and let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Not these issues that we face, not these emotions that we feel, not those things, not the sin in our life. Don't let the sin in your life rule your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And what he's speaking of here is an attitude, a, 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 a virtue, if you will, of, of true worship. Because worship is the overflow of our heart. 
if bitterness and anger and fear, if all of those things are taking our hearts captive, then how could we come in here and sing a few songs and truly be worshipers of God when our minds and our hearts are on something else? It's not about coming in here and singing the songs, listening to the sermon, and going home. It's about coming in here because we have a great love for God and we have a great love for each other and we are here together as individuals to collectively gather and individually worship Him. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. I love the time that we, we have to spend with the worship team, myself and the worship team and everybody involved, even the creative arts team, they come back there. And it, really, anybody who wants to comes back and joins us. But we meet every week in the green room in here or in the conference room. We we come in here and we gather together. We, we do that to pray. We talk over the service and everything. But one of the things I love is, is that Spence typically leads this time to, uh, for us. And, and in that time, he will challenge us, us with a, a verse of Scripture or something right before we pray. But, more, uh, but many times I've heard Spence say this, and I love this. Spence, in challenging us who are sitting in here, gathering together before anybody else gets here so that we can walk out into, into this stage and lead a faith family in worship, he'll say these things. He says, before, if there's no worship in here pointing to his heart, then he says there'll be no worship out there pointing to the stage. If we're not worshiping God in here, then whatever we're doing up here on the stage has no eternal value to it whatsoever. In the same way, all of us gathering in this room, coming to honor Christ, coming to bring glory to His name, coming to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If we're here today and we're overcome by the distractions in our life or our pride or our insecurity, our bitterness, we can't truly worship God. Worship isn't just simply singing songs and listening to a sermon. Not only that, but we can only worship God when our hearts are in the right place. So often our hearts are rooted in sin and we wonder, where is the fellowship of God? Most of us here today probably know the story of King David. King David is a young man. He was one who went up and faced a giant named Goliath. And we, most of us have probably heard that story where he defeated this giant. He later became the king of Israel. And, and, and it was said about King David that he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who loved God. He was a man who worshipped God. And then one day, his eyes fell upon a woman named Bathsheba. And it was there that the temptations of his heart sort of took over and he, he went down that road of sin. As we read the Psalms written by King David, as we read the Psalms in the Scripture that were written by King David, many of those reveal that during that time in his life when sin was very evident in his life, he grieved because he realized and he recognized the absence of fellowship with God. 
And in many of those writings, he would say, he would cry out to God, God, restore my soul. God, restore me into good fellowship with you. He recognized that worship was no longer a part of his life. And only when he turned to God in repentance and only when he turned to God confessing the sin in his life, only when he cried out to God for restoration in his life did God restore him. And once again, he was able to worship God. When we find ourselves living our lives rooted in sin, there's no worship. Romans 12, 1 says this. He says, Paul's writing to the Romans. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I don't know why I wrote this down. This is probably John Piper's most repeated tagline ever, but he once said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Not anything else in our life, but him. The second thing that I want us to look at here is this other truth, and that is that worship requires a mind centered on Christ and one that is renewed by truth. A mind that is centered on Christ and renewed by by truth. We don't need to miss this this morning. This is huge. This is, this is powerful for us to understand. In verse 16, it says this. Remember now, in verse 15, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And so we got that, right? That overflow, it comes from, uh, from within. It's an internal thing that, that begins to overflow and, and leads us to to, to pray, it leads us to adore Him, it leads us to praise Him. And then now we read in verse 16, it says, and let the Word of Christ, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Remember what Jesus said? True worshipers worship in what? In spirit and in what? Truth. And then here, he says, let the word of Christ. You see, Jesus once said, he says, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. The word of God. The truth, the absolute truth as we have come to, to know it. The word of God. Let the word of God richly dwell in you as worshipers of Christ Jesus. Not only is worship a heart issue, but it requires a mind that is, is, is focused deeply on the things of Christ and the truth that we receive from that. This is why our worship services, if you will, that's what we call this on Sunday morning, our, our worship service. Our worship service, the two key elements of this time together is song, where we lift up our voices in prayer and adoration. We sing out to the Lord our prayers, our thanksgivings, and then we turn to God's Word that our minds would also be focused on Christ Jesus and that our minds would be renewed by His Word. This is so important for us. It's so important for us to understand. We need to understand that that this is a big part of who we should be as worshipers of Christ Jesus. 
It's not just a heart issue. It's not just an emotional thing, but it's a, it's a renewing of the mind thing. Remember we read Romans 12.1. Let's look at Romans 12.2, which says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The renewing of our minds. You see, most everything we know about Jesus began with our intellect. Our intellectual understanding. We read the gospel or somebody shared the gospel with us. But either way, we receive the gospel. That is the news of Christ Jesus. We came to understand him as our Lord and our Savior through the reading or the preaching or the reading of the word of God. We came to understand who he was by the gospel that is presented to us in God's word. You see, we can't truly worship God until we understand who he is and what he has accomplished on our behalf. We'll never appreciate, we'll never love God if we don't understand that he first loved us. And so here we see where Paul points out this this idea, if you will, this truth that the Word of Christ should dwell in us richly. Truly, whoever, whoever has ever worshipped God has first understood who He was. We can't worship God without knowing who He is. I remember once I was preaching. I don't remember what I was preaching on, but I was preaching and I remember looking out in the, in the congregation there, and as I, as I, I did, I noticed a, a young woman who was, who was weeping. And the more I preached, the more she wept. And, and I, I began to just sort of grow sensitive to that. I was wondering what could possibly be going on in her, in her life that has brought her so much pain and so much hurt. It just looked to me as though she was so distraught as I was preaching. And I, I continued to preach, and I... And I thought, man, I need, to, I need to go to her after the service and see if there's anything I can pray for her about. But there she was praying. So when the service ended, I, I went around and I, I met with her and I said, I said, I noticed that you were crying. And she says, yes, Pastor David, I'm sorry I was crying in your service. I said, no need for an apology. I just want to know, you know, is there anything I can pray for you about? You just look like you're just in so much pain, so much hurt. She says, oh, those aren't tears of pain or suffering. Those are tears of joy. She says, I, I just became really aware of everything that God is and everything He has done for me, and I am so happy. I thought, boy, did I get it wrong. But it was so cool to see that she had been brought to tears. Can I just say this morning? That's worship. That's worship. You see, I saw the tears of worship, but those tears of worship I would have never seen had it not started from within. This understanding with her mind, this, this feeling in her heart all coming together, and she expressed herself through weeping, over the joy of who God is and what He had accomplished for her. That's a beautiful thing. 
You know what I did that day? I went home and I prayed, God, I just want to cry. I want to have tears of joy like that, you know? I mean, I, I'm joyful, I mean, you know, but where are the tears? I mean, I want, to, I want it to just be this uncontrollable sobbing that takes place, you know? Then my wife ran over my foot and I cried. And, no, I'm kidding. It's just one of those things where the heart and the mind come together and this understanding of who God is and, and the heart feeling the presence of a holy and righteous God and we find ourselves moved and we express ourselves in worship. God, you are holy, you are righteous, you are perfect. I don't understand everything I'm going through, God, but I know this, you are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my attention. You are worthy of everything that I have to offer. First Corinthians 14, 15 says this, and I love this. Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he says these words. He says, what am I to do? What am I to do? He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. He says, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Jesus says, come to the Father in spirit and in truth as a true worshiper of God. We worship in spirit and truth. Worship is the overflow of what's already taken place in our hearts. Worship flows from an understanding that we have of who God is and what He has done for us. Worship continues even in an understanding of what God is capable of in our life. What God is capable of as He impacts a world for His glory. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of, of singing. Our worship team will come back up and they'll lead us in a time where we can sing this last song. Here's something I would like to invite us all to do this morning. I would like to invite you this morning, before you stand and sing the lyrics on the screen, that maybe you would spend just a moment in reflection that you would pray and you would ask God to reveal more of Himself to you, that you may know Him more. That God would reveal to you what He has accomplished in your life. Can I just say this this morning? We are so incredibly blessed. How many of you believe that this morning? We are so incredibly blessed. It is by the grace of God that we have the opportunity even to sit here this morning. Amen? It is the grace of God. Let us, before we stand and sing a song that has the opportunity of just being repetitive in our life and nothing more than religion, before we do that, let us just 
even if it's just briefly, let us think about who God is. Let us contemplate His Spirit who dwells within us. And let us worship Him in spirit and truth. Let our true worship flow from what we have come to understand and what we believe in our hearts. So that as we sing this last song, it's not just simply a song. It's our worship. It's our worship. Promise number eight of this series comes from Psalm 95, verses one through three. The psalmist writes, he says this, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. How many of you believe that promise this morning? Amen. I'm going to pray. Then we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we are thankful for this day. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity you give us each and every day to, to live out our faith. All for your glory. God, we've come to an understanding that we were created for worship. And Lord, whether we understand it or not, we are constantly in a place of worshiping either you or something else. And so, Father, I pray that for us, we would, we would find that our worship is directed toward you. That from our hearts overflows a great love for you and a desire to bring glory to your name. God, I pray that we would see from the depths of our hearts who you are and what you have accomplished on our behalf. Lord, let us be thankful for the reality that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, He atoned for our sins. And let us be thankful. Father, we love You so much. We praise You. And we worship You even through song. As we close out this service together, this time together, where we have gathered in this place to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.